I had a theology professor in seminary who would repeatedly tell us that the Bible was a story. It was a, a story with beginning and end and main characters and themes and recurring themes. And you just, you had to read scripture to see the themes and see the things that kept coming back time and time again. And the more you studied and the more you read, the more you would start to see these patterns kind of emerge. And that's why sometimes it's dangerous when we just read a short passage of scripture and say, well, now I know exactly what this means. Now I know how to apply it. Now I can go tell other people what they should do because I have read this chapter of the Bible. One of those passages that I think that we've misused, knowingly or unknowingly, is the idea that God's ways are higher than our ways. You know, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so, you know, it's it's kind of, I've heard it used as kind of a cop-out. You know, whenever you don't understand what God's doing, well, you know, his ways are higher than our ways, so just accept it. I don't understand what is God thinking when this happens, because that is awful. Well, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and so just accept it. It's, it's used as kind of this, this kind of sweeping under the rug kind of passage of Scripture. What struck me as I read the passage from Isaiah is what comes right before God says that in this passage in Isaiah. The context. What, what is the story? What's the thread? What is the prophet trying to say to us in this passage? And he says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way. Let them change. Let them repent. Let them confess. Let the unrighteous forsake their thoughts. And let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Let the unrighteous and let the wicked return to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord. So when you see those two back to back, the word for, my mom quotes this all the time, and she's quoting someone else who's probably quoting someone else. But when you see the word for, or therefore, or because at the beginning of a passage of scripture you memorized, you want to know what it's there for? You know, and so you want to know, like, well, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord. Well, because of what? The reason God's thoughts are not our thoughts is because God will have mercy on the wicked and the unrighteous, and he will abundantly pardon, for his thoughts are not our thoughts, and his ways are not our ways. Because when we talk about unity in the church, and we are one in Christ, it's easy to say that, and it's really easy to refute that if you take a minute and pick up a newspaper or scroll through your Facebook feed. The body of Christ is not unified right now. If you ask somebody who doesn't go to church, when you think of church, what is the first thing you think of? Their answer is probably not love. And that's on us. But maybe if we made our thoughts more like God's thoughts, maybe if we made our ways more like God's ways, maybe if we were more likely to abundantly pardon the unrighteous and the wicked. 
if we were excited or engaged or we wanted to find ways of defending each one's dignity and to save each one's pride, like in that hymn we sang this morning. To look for ways of lifting people up and preserving them and protecting them and pardoning them, even if they're wicked or unrighteous. If you've been paying attention, I preached a sermon very much like this one, because God is kind to the wicked and on the ungrateful. This is that theme that keeps coming back to me. This is that theme that if, once you see it, it's like those magic eye things where you kind of squint your eyes and suddenly it just jumps out at you and you can't not see it, you know? Like, all of a sudden, like, you start reading through the Bible, and, you know, it's easy if you want to. You can find the passages where God decides, I need to punish these people. And you see the passages that talk about God's anger and wrath in the Old Testament, and they're there. They're a part of Holy Scripture. But that's not the theme. Because the theme that I keep seeing time and time again is God telling us how we need to treat the stranger and the alien as if they were our brother. The theme is grace. The theme is mercy. The theme is that we are welcomed and forgiven. And that so is our neighbor, and so is the wicked, or the ungodly, or the ungrateful. That the same forgiveness that is offered to us is offered to the person that if we were fully honest, we kind of wish it weren't. And so when you start reading scripture and you start looking for the character of God, I don't see wrath. I don't see anger. I don't see Zeus with his thunderbolts. What I see is a God who says, this is what is good. I want you to be good. How can I make you good? How can I give you grace and mercy that will allow you to be good and righteous so that you can bring that same grace and mercy to your neighbor? Because that is my plan. And so confession doesn't need to be about undoing the awful things we've done so that we're a slightly less terrible people. Confession and forgiveness comes because we realize that we've been acting against the nature of God. Instead of being forgiving and kind, we've been ungrateful and wicked and evil, and we've been the ones creating the problem. So we need to change. We need to think about things in new ways. We need to be more like God. Our thoughts need to be like his thoughts, and our ways need to be like his ways. And so we look at this this gardener's story where the guy walks through his garden, and he's got land, and he's got money, and he's got a gardener who works for him. So he's, you know, he's got expectations. People don't get rich by letting their money do nothing for them. And so he's walking through his garden. He says, hey, I planted that fig tree three years ago which means his gardener probably planted that fig tree three years ago. And that fig tree hasn't done me any good yet. I keep looking for figs, and they keep not being there. Let's burn it. Let's cut it down. Let's get rid of it. Why should it waste the soil? It's a waste of space. Have you ever looked at someone or some time that you spent on someone and gone, well, that was a waste. It doesn't sound like God's way.
because the story talks about the gardener. And I think the gardener is the hero of this story. And I think sometimes we're the fig tree, sometimes we're the owner. At our best, we're the gardener too. Because we say, hold on, let's not cut it down just yet. I bet if we dig around it, if we aerate the soil, we give it a little space to breathe, if we, we add some fertilizer, we water it, we take care of it, give me, give, me, give me one more year. If you give me one more year, I bet I can make this tree produce. I, I can make this good. I can, I can prove to you this is not a waste of space. Just let me invest in this a little bit. Let me, let me build into this fig tree or person for a while. Let me see what they're capable of. Let me show you what they're capable of. And let's, let's give them their space. Let's give them their dignity. Let's give them an opportunity to be proud in a godly way because they have done well. And I'm willing to invest my own time and sweat and tears to make that happen. That sounds like what we would do if our thoughts were like God's thoughts and our ways were like God's ways. Because maybe if it had a little fertilizer, maybe if this person were just pruned a little bit differently, maybe, maybe this, maybe that, maybe it sounds like hope. I think a big part of the grace that we've been given and the grace that we're expected to show others is that we hope that others can grow and be fruitful even when you don't see any evidence to justify your hopefulness. And so, yeah, sometimes we're the figless fig tree and we need the second chance. Sometimes we're the owner who's frustrated and we just need to cut it down and start over and do something different. My prayer this morning is that more often than not, we would be able to play the role of the gardener and that we would be willing to invest in others, to hope for others, to preserve their dignity, preserve their pride, to offer grace and to offer mercy. Because I believe that's what God would do. Let's pray. Father, this morning we repent of the times that we have been impatient with others. And instead of offering them help and space, we've instead just said, just, just cut it down. We've been dismissive. We've been judgmental. I pray that you would change our hearts this morning, that you would help us to be like you. Make our thoughts like your thoughts. Make our ways your ways. Because your ways and your thoughts are better than ours. So Father, as we celebrate communion this morning, I pray that your grace would be poured out on us and that we would be able to pour out your grace on others as well as we go about our week. Amen.